they have had a tremendous impact, uh, you know, on our region. They have been here sowing in New England. You know, there's a lot of people that sometimes we bring in from the south or from Cajun country. But, man, there's nothing like bringing in somebody from New England that's getting it done right up here in the northeast, you know, reaching the frozen chosen. Come on, somebody. These people are getting it done. I consider him a very close friend, a spiritual father. He has a strong influence on my life. He's been friends with my family for many, many years, knows my mother and father very well, kind of started in ministry about the same time. And uh, I just would wish that you guys would just show your love for them as they come and just greet Pastor Jonathan. He's going to speak to us this morning and bless us. Pastor Jonathan Del Turco, give him, come on, a warm welcome. Thank you, Dan. I'll be too. My house, your house. Good morning, everybody. Woo! Good to see you. Well, before you're seated, let's, let's do that one more time for where it really belongs. Let's give it to Jesus. Come on, shout. You can do better than that. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you and we magnify you. We give you praise this morning. Amen. For what you're about to do, God bless you. Thank you. It's a joy to be finally with you. We've been looking forward to being with you for such a long time. Uh, this is my wife, Verna, uh, of 38 years, and uh, we are blessed to be here. We have two children that are uh, both on staff with us, and we have five beautiful grandchildren. And uh, as, as they say, if we knew grandchildren would be so great, we would have had them first. Um, uh, it's just awesome what, being grandparents, being in that place, and to be here today is very significant. As Pastor said, um, you know, and I want to honor the legacy in this house, to honor Pastor Ernie and Randa. Aren't they the best? They're just great people, awesome people. Um, back in the day, they were a major encouragement to us. You know, we started the church here. I was 26 years old. We were in our mid-20s, and uh, they were a tremendous blessing to us, uh, supported us, we're strong, uh, stable force, and we are very grateful for them, very grateful for uh, Pastor Derek and Stacy. I pastor pastors. We get to travel around the United States in various places. Let me tell you something. You've got the best here. Do you understand that? Uh, and that's not because I'm a guest speaker this morning saying that. I mean that with all my heart. They couldn't be more gracious. We had a great dinner last night. They've, they've treated us royally here. Uh, what, what God's doing here at Connect and what God is doing through uh, all the other churches that God has connected you with is very impressive, and we're honored to be considered your friends. We're honored to be in ministry with you. What a great family, his children. Devin rocks. Uh, he's a rock star. Love you, Devin. Um, and all that God's doing through him and it's just a joy to be able to be with you. And I've got something really strong in my heart. I'll say more in a second service. I want to watch my time here in the first. But it is an honor to be here. It really is. It's an honor to do ministry with you in New England. And this is New England's time. This is our time. Amen. It's our time to thrive, our time to grow, our, our time to, to, to make an impact in our world and, and to see God and his will and his plan come to pass. Let's pray. Let's get started. Father, thank you for this awesome opportunity we have to be together today. I believe with all my heart that what we're about to hear will transform us. Lord, 
It's a word that no matter how old we are, how young we are, whether we're brand new in Christ or we've been around the things of God a long time, no matter what generation we're a part of, I believe something will be said today that'll spark inside of us, Lord God, this desire to grow, this desire to be more like you, this desire, Father God, to take it to another level, this desire, Lord God, to to blow the doors off our past and to, to go places where we've never been before. I believe that with all my heart. So Father, thank you that you love us too much to leave us the way we are. We're so grateful that you're always prodding us with that sharp stick called truth to to change, to grow, to to be empowered, to be more, to never settle, uh, to, to step out, to reach out. And so we are grateful for this opportunity. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing your word across with clarity, with accuracy, and simplicity. So we can immediately apply this word to our lives, knowing that because of it, we will never be the same We'll give you all the honor and glory and praise for it. All of God's people said, amen. amen. Praise God. God bless you. Again, uh, some context for today's message. Uh, during a time of prayer, um, just praying about this year, praying about some things that where we were as a church and, and the Holy Spirit began. You know how he does. Uh, sure, works the same with Pastor Derek and Devin um, and others. When you're believing God and the Holy Spirit starts giving you things, the Holy Spirit starts, you know, dealing with me about this is going to be a year of opportunity, a year for more of God's presence, a year of miracles, a year where we really make a demand to see more of a manifestation of God in our lives, in our services, in our people's lives. Uh, Holy Spirit started giving me some things, and you know, John 15, which we're going to go to here in a minute, uh, a verse that, uh, verses of scripture that the Lord gave me some some months ago, and. Uh, and then I heard a message from my pastor, Pastor Jerry Savell, and then heard a message that rocked my world from uh, Craig Crochelle and then Stephen Furtick. And you know how the Holy Spirit kind of puts it all together, shakes it all up, and voila. Uh, well, that's kind of what this message is. It's kind of a, 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 a accumulation of many things in my own heart that I've owned, that, I've, that I live that, that where I am, where my wife and I are, where we've been for these last 34 years, 38 years in ministry, 34 years pastoring. And so it's an, it's an honor to be able to share this word with you today. Today I want to talk to you about the power of routine. The power of routine. You know, routine is totally underrated. Totally underrated. I'm sure you'll agree with me that, that we live in a society where shiny and sparkle rule the day. We live in a time where people are obsessed with what's new and what's next. And with that in mind, we very seldom get to understand the power of healthy routines, the power of of being consistent in God. And I've noticed I said healthy routines because no doubt there are many of us that have dealt with our lives, in our lives, maybe presently still are, dealing with unhealthy routines. We deal with these things that kind of grip us, that kind of follow us around. These routines that kind of, you know, we we step out to want to do something great, and and these routines seem to be in the shadows that that, that leave us alone until we're about to step into that new place. We're about to step up and do something that we've said we were going to do, and finally we're going to do it. And these these unhealthy routines seem to to dog us, and they they overwhelm us at times. And so there's several of these routines, the, the first of which is stagnant routines, Stagnant routines. And these are the routines that, that, that we settle into something comfortable. We settle for status quo. Uh, we settle for ordinary instead of exceptional. We st- settle for that place that is our comfort zone. And we, we stagnate and we maintain. 
Then there's these, um, what I call stupid routines. And what are stupid routines? Well, touch the stove, ouch. 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 How many know that's stupid? Thank you. How many know that's stupid? That is stupid. And we know the definition of insanity is what? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We know that's not too smart. You know, repeating the same unhealthy uh, habits of our parents um, and, and, and swearing that we would never, and, and, and defying the fact that we will never walk in those unhealthy uh, routines that were modeled to us when we were growing up. And lo and behold, what are we doing now? We are modeling the same unhealthy routines to our own children. How many know that's Stupid, absolutely. How many know that looking for love in all the wrong places again and again and again is stupid? Absolutely. How many know getting in debt again and again and never learning our lesson is stupid? Absolutely. How many know that, that when um, you, know, you, you, you go to church, you're, you're sitting close to the front, you're on fire for God because times are tough and, and times aren't as tough as they once were and now we can't find you? How many know that's Stupid, that's not smart. Those are stupid routines that are not healthy for us. Then there are these stubborn routines. Dude, it's, it's just the way I am, you know, I, I got to be me. No, you're stubborn, let's be honest. Um, and then there are scared routines. These are the ones that we would rather go around the mountain 40 more years than step into something that God asks us to do because insecurity and fear apprehension and, and insecurity and self-doubt. We have these scared routines that, man, we get real close to that Jordan River, but then we back off again because of, of our past or because of what somebody says or because of history and so forth. And, and it gets us in trouble. And again, one more time, we are stopped from moving forward, and that's not good. And there's one more routine that I want to bring to your attention. Obviously, this is the one that we want to focus on. It's called sacred routines. Sacred routines. These are the ones that, that God wants us to focus on, and it's faithfulness, living a God-first love uh, life, not never leaving your first love, and, and uh, uh, till death do us part with our spouses, and living committed, and serving with love, and giving uh, out of a generous heart, and uh, discovering our purpose, and using it to make a difference, and so on and so on, um, rooted and grounded in love, just a few that determine these sacred routines in our lives. I must confess that most of my goals in life revolve around the power of routine. I want to live a long time with the best friend that I have, my wife. I want to pastor International Family Church as long as the Lord will let me, 34 years and going strong. That's a, a power of routine. I want to do ministry with people that want to make a difference for a very long time. I want to have friends and, and relationships that, that, that absolutely feed one another and iron sharpens iron and, and we make each other strong and we're companions and I want to do that for a very long time. I want to be healthy and look good for a very long time. I can go down the list of things that all my main goals in my life surround and revolve around the power of routine. 
Now, here's the big takeaway for today. And in my messages, I usually like to give a big takeaway and, and then unpack the message from this takeaway. I've learned years ago, I was preparing way too much. And, and, and it's always a hard thing for we preachers to know that, that you leave the auditorium and for probably forgot 90% of what we said just 10 minutes before. Um, and we understand there's a lot going on and a lot going one ear and out the other. And so I've had, well, I'm going to start majoring on one big takeaway base the whole message around that one big takeaway, and if they get the takeaway, it'll open the door for them to understand more of what was said in that message. So here's our one big takeaway this morning, and uh, part of this I, I adapted from Stephen Furtick and a message that I heard, and just a great takeaway. I think you'll like it, and it, it'll hit home to you today. Here it is. should be up on your screen. If you don't respect the routine, you'll miss the miraculous. If you don't respect the routine, you'll miss the miraculous. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 15. Let's get moving here. We've got a lot of, a lot of ground to cover. Um, a great place to unpack this big takeaway today. John 15, we'll start at verse 1 through 4. Are you glad you're in the house today? Amen. So glad we're together. I really am. Um, it says this in uh, John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it may be given even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, the true vine, he says, and my father is the gardener. Jesus said this, and, and he says, if you want a relationship with me, you have to understand that you have to understand me as a vine. You have to understand me as a gardener. And of course, in our society, we don't understand necessarily vines or gardening. Some folks might, um, especially those in the day as far as uh, farming and so forth. They, they understood the concept of this. They understood the, the connection that was necessary for this to work. And a vine first grows out of the ground, as we know, and has a trunk about two or three feet tall and, and begins to spread out. And from that place, life comes. And so Jesus was basically saying here that that. I'm what comes out of the ground to bring forth life, and it's important that you then as a branch connect with me and remain. Connect with me and remain. Remain. There's a key word there that we're going to emphasize today, the remaining, the being connected to the vine and the value of being connected to that vine. Here is the analogy Jesus uses in verse 1. He says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. Now, we've heard that before, but most of us say it this way. Most of us have this kind of attitude um, and, and look at Jesus and say, uh, and we have this thing that we know that most of us read it this way, I am the vine and my father is the genie. I am the vine and my father is the genie. See, most people don't want a gardener God. They want a genie God. See, they want to get into a situation that's difficult. They want to get into a tough place, and they want to be able to rub their Bible a few times, and poof, there comes that big old angel to give you three big wishes, right? 
We want, we want to be able to knock on wood. We want the, the rabbit's foot. We want the horseshoe. Um, now, because we have a little, we're a little bit more spiritual, we don't necessarily say we want, we want more luck in our lives, but, but we want some God luck. You know, we want, we, want, we want this thing to poof. We want our answers to prayer right away. We want to pray, pray something and poof, there's the answer. We want to give and poof, there's the increase. And we have this attitude that if it doesn't happen right away, this stuff's not working. If it doesn't happen right away and I don't get what I need now, there's something wrong. This stuff doesn't work. And obviously, pastor's been giving us a, a line for a very long time just to get us to church and, and give our money. And so, you know, we, we, we have this attitude and, and understand that Jesus uses the gardener example as an understanding of the process by which we make changes in our lives, by which dreams become a reality, and by understanding how prayers are answered is we have to understand that God is a gardener. Your father is a gardener. If you want a clear picture of how your life can go to the next level and have fruitfulness for a very long time and break out of the doldrums and the, and the ruts in our lives, we must understand that God is a gardener. Amen. See, we understand this picture, and even the disciples had it wrong. The disciples thought that God, Jesus was coming to, to take away and overthrow the bad guys, the Roman Empire, and he, they thought that he was going to rule as an earthly king, and, and while he was going to, to rule and reign, but it was going to be through his death, and they, they saw it wrong, and they, they didn't get the picture of how authority and how ruling and reigning would be, so even the disciples had the wrong picture. They didn't quite get what was going on, but here in John 15, we can imagine Jesus as the master story teller, an illustrator, I'm sure walking from where they were um, in John 14, walking together and, and, and knowing in that area, probably walking through a garden and picking a cluster of grapes. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, and saying, here, this is how life is going to be. What, this is a process of growth. This is a process of how these grapes came to be. It's a process. These grapes were connected to a vine, and it produced a, a branch, and it loaded down with fruit. And he was explaining and understanding, I'm sure, at some point this illustration came to pass to help the disciples and us get it, that there can be no fruit unless we're connected. It can be no fruit unless we remain. There can be no fruit unless we understand how true that is. See, when you embrace the power of routine, you don't do something once or twice and expect breakthrough. That's not gardening. You don't write down some notes in your worship guide and never look at them again. That's not gardening. You don't tie the short time and say it doesn't work. That's not gardening. You don't go to church once a month and expect a fruitful relationship with God. That's not gardening. Come on. You don't, you don't ever spend any time with your kids and expect to have a relationship with them when they're teenagers. That's not gardening. You don't just tell your wife once a year that you love her, expecting this hot relationship. Guess what? That's not gardening. 
That's not gardening. That's not how it works. It's not the plan of God. You see, Pastor, you say, I want a live relationship with God this year. I want God's word to come alive in me like never before. Understand something. For it to work, you're going to have to put some work into it. You're going to have to plant some seed. You're going to have to believe God and stay connected through thick and thin. You're going to have to water. You're going to have to nourish. You're going to have to allow the gardener to do some work in your life. You're going to have to allow the, the soil of your life to be tilled. And, and, and for adjustments to be made on an ongoing basis if you want God to supernaturally come through for you. Great relationships with God are not accidents. Great marriages are not accidents. Great children are not accidents. Great businesses are not accidents. Great churches, as we know, they're not accidents. Amen. Frequency is the key to obtaining and sustaining a high level of success. Greatness is a byproduct of consistent routines. That's good. Greatness is a byproduct of consistent routines. Let's move on here. A great Bible example that comes to mind is one that, as I was meditating on this, that came to mind to me was uh, one of my favorite stories in the book of Joshua. And we know Joshua was given a command by God that made no sense. And he was leading the people of God to the promised land. Forty years they had been wandering and cycling in the, in the, in the, in the wilderness, circling in the wilderness. And, and we, we understand that they were waiting for this opportunity. They were waiting for this moment. And the first day they received their marching order. And we know the story, and they were facing the intimidating city of Jericho, a city surrounded by very tall and wide walls. And we learn, if you understand the city, the city itself wasn't big. It was just that the walls were big. That's very interesting because oftentimes the assignment God gives us, it's not near as big as it appears. Oftentimes it's how to get that assignment fulfilled, have a plan, the obstacles that lead up to and you have to get through in order to fulfill the assignment can be very intimidating and can stop us. So the city itself wasn't big, but these intimidating walls to keep you from realizing that the city was not near as big as the walls represented, and oftentimes the obstacles that we face and the lies of the enemy that come against us oftentimes paint a picture of something much bigger and larger than what it really is, intimidating us to never get started in the first place. Amen. So God started something in Joshua and the Israelites, and God expected Joshua to take the next step. See, the first key to the entire region of Canaan was Jericho. And oftentimes it's hard to take that first step. It's hard to step out and do something that you know you need to do. And God speaks to Joshua, gives him some very simple examples and illustrations and, and commands and said, these walls, you walk around them for six days. Just walk around them. So I got to do is just walk around for six days. On the seventh day, walk around seven times in that one day. When you hear the trumpet sound, give it, a, give it your best shout. These walls are going to come down and go in and plunder the city. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says Joshua obeyed. Because obedience is always the key. Saying yes when God opportunities opens up is always the key. Amen. It's not what you hear this year that makes a difference. It's what you do with what you hear that makes the difference. Amen. So that's important that we do and so we can bear fruit. So in Joshua 6.14, so on the second day, they marched around the city once 
and returned to camp. They did this for six days. Anytime you see the number six, it always represents the number for man, what man can do, what we do in our own strength, which makes the next verse that's much more special. Verse 15, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that, on that day, they circled the city seven times. On the seventh day, seven, God's number, the number of completion. This is a year that God wants to complete what he started in your life. He will do that when you and I are willing to do what Joshua did. Now, what did Joshua do? Verse 15 again. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. Let me emphasize two quick thoughts and phrases at this point. The first one, in the same manner. I've done this for six days. Nothing's happened. I've done this for six weeks. Nothing's happened. I've done this for six months and nothing happened. You might say, I've done this for six years, and nothing happened. See, in the same manner. See, you're not going to have the second phrase, on that day, on that day, because on the seventh day, something changed. On the seventh day, something took place. Nothing changed until they marched around that those walls for six days in a row, once a day, they did the same thing the same way, except on that day, something happened. You see, you'll never have an on that day unless you first have in the same manner. You can't have an on that day. We all want on that day. We all want that breakthrough. We all want that answer to prayer. We all want that here it is, there it is. We all want that because every one of us are on that, 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 that road today between amen and there it is. We said amen to what God said in his word. We said amen to what God promised us. We said amen to all that God said belongs to us. And then we all go through these, these lengths of time, six days, six weeks, six months, six years, between before there is a there it is. But the children of God had a there it is because they first had in the same manner. How many on that days have we missed? Because we quit in the middle of our six days. How many on that days were we delayed? How many on that days just never happened? Because we didn't continue to respect the power of routine. We didn't continue to respect doing the same thing that God asked us to do over and over and over again, working out our salvation, doing all the various things that God asked us to do. If you don't respect the routine, you're going to miss the miraculous. Now, we're believing God for the miraculous. This church is believing God for the miraculous. We're believing God for a mighty move of God in our lives like we have never seen before. It's time for us. It's time for you. It's time for your family. It's time for your finances. It's time for your children. It's time for your marriage. There's no doubt about it. And I know I'm preaching to parents right now because if you don't intentionally invest in your children, when it seems like nothing is sinking in, you'll never get to that position where you'll hear them say one day, thank you for staying on me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dragging me to church. Thank you for making me read my Bible. Amen. See, if we don't intentionally continue to do something when it doesn't look like it's even working, we're not going to have it on that day. Are you here? 
we must stop training ourselves to give up and quit because we're not seeing all the results we want to see in our six days. We quit too soon. We get discouraged too quickly. And Philippians tells us what? Not to be weary in well-doing. For in due season, what happens? We will reap. See, some habits don't change overnight. Some addictions are not broken um, in, a th- in three months. Some breakthroughs don't happen in a year. But the power of routine, it works in your spirit, it works in your soul, it works in your body, it works in your family, it works in your business. See, on that day, something happened. On that day, something fell. On that day, something radically changed. On that day, life became very different. God wants you to have an on that day. And I believe every one of us have had a testimony about on that day that we experienced. But how do we get to on that day? We know God is merciful. We know God does things beyond even what we do, but we know that for the, for the most part, our on that days happen because every morning, every afternoon, every day, day in and day out, we had that desire to continue and not be moved. See, it's the process that makes it work. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch. It's not an event, it's a process. Growing in God is not an event, it's a process. Salvation was an event, but growing in Christ is a process. And you can't despise the process. You can't, you can't negate the, prog- the, pro- the process. Don't despise it. Amen. See, I love what Coach Larry Gilwick says. He said this, practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes permanent. Practice doesn't make perfect, practice makes permanent. See, if you're practicing something wrong and you do that over and over again, all you're doing is getting better at doing something poorly. Did you get that? Amen. So it could be swinging a golf club. It could be swinging a bat. It could be swinging a racket. You, we've been looking at God so, so, long, so wrong for so long. Too many people know him as an overbearing, difficult God, a God that you can't please, a God that is always on your back, a God that, that never really gives you a break, and, and, and he's not really for you. You never know what he's going to do. And, and so because of that, we've not known him as a loving, good God that's in favor of you and in favor of your life. And so what happens is we've got it all wrong. We're, we, we, we've got our swing way off. Just like we, if we get our golf swing wrong and our, our baseball swing wrong or our racquetball swing wrong and, and, the, and the ball and, the, and everything else just goes left and right. And we got to understand oftentimes the church has the, their swing wrong. And oftentimes our family has our swing wrong. And oftentimes the church, we've, we've been surrounded by arrogant know-it-alls that, that, that command and control and don't lead with a servant's heart and don't lead by inspiration. And so oftentimes the church has had its swing wrong and we need to be around people that uh, at a moment's notice can tell because they've watched us. Your swing's off. That's your problem. That's why you're, you're walking all these people. That's why you keep slicing the ball. That's why you can't get the ball over the net because your swing is off. And we need people in our lives that, that help us understand when our swing is off, that are there. They know us. They know all about us. They taught us. They, they, they stretched us. They coached us. They mentored us. They helped us in so many ways. And we recognize that we've got to understand because we get a change so that we can have the right routines and repeating the right things 
over and over again. And I need to be honest with you this morning. Um, there are too many in the church who made Jesus their weekend activity and not their daily priority. It's just something we check off. Uh, we give not out of a cheerful heart. We give because, well, if I don't, what will happen if, out of fear if I don't give? Uh, we, we don't serve out of love. We serve the, the check the box. I, I showed up and we went to church and it's kind of a religious thing that we punched in and it wasn't a life-giving event. And, and, and we make the, uh, Jesus this weekend thing that we kind of get through and we kind of check off and we, we kind of get through it because we know it's important to do it, but, but there's not real life in it. Let's wrap this up. Verses 4 through 8 in John 15 says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. It'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The word remain there or the word abide means to take up residence. It means to make your home. You see, you will never arrive if you can't remain. You will never arrive if you can't remain. See, you have to learn how to set up house with God. You've got to learn to buy some furniture. You've got to learn to put a ring on it. Amen. Make a long-time investment. Quit visiting God. Quit, quit associating with God like friends with benefits. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm preaching good now. Amen. I'll leave the rest up to the pastor. Amen. Uh, you got to recognize that there has to be this commitment. We've got to set up house. We can't be visiting God on the weekends. There's got to be this relationship with him if we want the miraculous. If we want God to break through in your finances and break through in your life. We all have goals to obtain. We all have dreams that we want to reach out to. Don't wait for the results to celebrate. Make the, make the routine your reward. See, we make the end result our celebration. In reality, we need to make the routine the reward. I remember somebody asking me when we were celebrating our 25th anniversary as a church, somebody said to me, Pastor Jonathan, how do you do that for two decades? I didn't even think twice about it. It just popped right out of my heart, right out of my mouth. And I said, I just kept showing up. I just kept showing up. And you know, you'll go through season where you just need to keep showing up. You'll go through seasons where you just got to keep walking in love. You got to keep walking by faith. You got to keep going to school. You got to keep forgiving. You got to think, keep thinking the best. Keep believing. Keep going to church. Come on. Some of you husbands and wives, you got to keep going home. I know it's not fun to go home. I know you don't, you don't want to go where you're tolerated. You want to go where you're celebrated. But oftentimes during those difficult times, you got to keep going home. You got to keep going to church. You got to keep doing what you know to do, the power of those routines. You see, you, you came to church today. Good news, that's awesome. Now come back next week. Amen. The power of routine to keep doing what you're doing. Make the routine your reward and watch your life grow. 
Amen. You've got to come to church when you feel like coming. You've got to come to church when you don't feel like coming, when you didn't have an extra hour of sleep. Amen. You, you read God's word when you feel inspired, and you read God's word when there's no inspiration. Come on. You serve when you're happy serving, and you serve when it's not fun to serve. You, you give when it's easy and joyful, and, and you give when it's, not, when it's hard. You give and you love when you have all the feelings to go along with it, and you, and you love when there's no feelings whatsoever. The world is always waiting to arrive. You haven't arrived till you make X amount of money. You haven't arrived till you have a certain stock portfolio. You haven't arrived till you buy that certain house in that certain neighborhood. You haven't arrived till, till you have that high fluting title. You haven't arrived till you can drive that high performance car. Arrive, arrive, arrive. We're always trying to arrive, but nobody's remaining. And i got to believe that the disciples heard this message of Jesus, his last few illustrations before he would go to heaven and die on a cross. And they got to know that after he was gone, they had to remember. Jesus said, it's important for us to remain, the power of routine, to pick themselves back up and recognize we, we, were, we were coached, we were mentored, we were taught, we know what to do, we know how to make this work, we know how to go forward and do all that we need to do. So... Let me tell you something. We typically don't associate the miraculous with remaining. But I'm telling you, the way to the miraculous is through the power of routine. The way to the miraculous, the way to your breakthrough, the way to this church to have breakthroughs and the presence of God and healings and miracles and everything else, and we think there might be other ways, and I'm not suggesting this is the only way, but, but the, the greatest lesson you can learn in your hunger for God, in your hunger for more, in your hunger for breakthrough, in your hunger for your life never being the same again, is learning how to remain. Amen. Will you need to say yes to change this year? Absolutely. Will you need to be doing something different this year? Absolutely. But please understand, it's because of the power of the routine that enables you to make the necessary changes necessary alterations, the necessary adjustments that need to be made in your life. It's a year of opportunity. Will you be ready when opportunity knocks on your door? You got to know when it knocks, it's too late. You got to prepare ahead of time. Let me say this in closing to you, and I want to pray for you. There is a, a known, I don't know if they still do it today, but there is a known part of therapy for uh, individuals who are in a psychiatric unit to understand when it was right for them to be discharged. So here's what they did. The person who needed to be discharged, this person dealing with these major issues in their life, they would put him in a room by themselves, sit him in a chair with a mop and a bucket, and they would turn the faucet on. Then they would go leave the room and watch what they did. If they got up frantically, got the mop, mopped up the water, squeezed it, mopped up the water, squeezed it, mopped up the water, squeezed it, they know they weren't ready for discharge. But if they went over and shut the faucet off, they knew now they were ready for discharge. So the question today is, are you mopping your way through life? Or are you shutting off some faucets? So in order to experience the miraculous, you've got to learn how to shut off some faucets. There's some attitudes. There's some lifestyles. There's some things that we do. There's some things that we know. God's dealt with us for years. 
We've not shut those faucets off. We frantically have tried to clean up our messes. We frantically have, have tried our best and we've worn ourselves out mopping up our messes and mopping up the issues that we've opened the door to. And we, we're good at mopping, but we're not good at shutting off the faucet. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. I want to encourage you today that there's something about the routine that if you'll be faithful with, You'll be faithful to say, it's time to shut those faucets off and start some healthy routines. I believe with all my heart that your life will never again be the same. Where have you been inconsistent? Where have you not had frequency? Where have you been starting and stopping and starting and stopping and, and, and driving yourself and everybody else around you crazy because you've not been willing to bite the bullet, press, get back to basics, and do the routine. Pastor, I want you to come on up. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless this congregation today. I thank you for their lives. I thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name, that this will be their best year ever. I believe, Father, in the name of Jesus, as you challenged us, Father, to understand that in order for us to have the miraculous, we must also learn the routine. That we'll not get tired of showing up. We'll not get tired of reading our Bibles. We'll not get tired of walking in love. We'll not get tired of doing what's right. We'll not get tired, Father God, of, of going over and over of what your highest and best tells us that we must do. So, Father, we bless you. We love you. We thank you for the miraculous. I bless this church. I thank you, Father God, for, for greater and, and so much more, faster and farther, for your honor and for your glory, Father. I know that I believe that for this church in the name of Jesus. But, Father, we thank you that we will shut off the faucets. We'll not be mopping any longer. That we'll determine now today that we're going to make it work. And we're not letting go because we want your highest and best. Connected and remaining to the vine. Setting up home. Doing our best to love you like we've never loved you before. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap for that.